Hey, John, you know how in previous weeks we've asked for support from listeners in financial terms? Oh, the begging. Yes. Okay, yeah. Yes. yeah, yeah you're, you're familiar with the big. Oh, yeah, I love the big. And, uh, and the way that uh, people can uh, p- people can donate $3 or $5 or $10 a month yep. uh, to help us keep the show alive. And and I've realised that that's kind of unfair for people who don't necessarily have the, the capacity to, to hand over that money but still want to support box cutters. So mm-hmm. I've come up with another way that they can do it. Does it involve cake? It, it didn't until you just said that. Well, all right. Now I'm just reworking it in my mind. No, no, no. Sorry, forget, forget, okay, that. For, forget, forget the cake. that. Forget that. Forget the cake. Uh, if you want to support box cutters, but you don't want to give us financial money, mm. you can tell three friends, five friends, or ten friends a month about box cutters, and make them listen to it, download it, and enjoy it. Spread the love and spread the joy. See, now it's not begging. You're forming a cult. Box cutters. Box cutters. Box Hello and welcome to Box Cutters episode 276. Butcher Tick. Baker Tick. My name is Josh Canal. To my left, John Richards. Hello, listener. To my right, Brett Cropley. Good evening, viewers. <gasps> big, big episode of Box Cutters. Can I be the spy? This, the spy, yeah, yeah butcher, oh. baker, soldier, spy. No, 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 no. It wasn't a. You were a grand, 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 maker. I was. I was gonna, yeah, it's, that's my next thing. Yeah, that's my next thing. Because now I'm a baker. Are you? Did you know that? No. I totally made my own sourdough. Wow. On the weekend, it's <laughs> not even a euphemism. No culture. With my own culture, made my own culture. That was a euphemism. That uh, sadly, that took not eating that stuff. That one loaf of bread took a whole week. And how long did it take to eat? About three hours. Yeah. It was pretty dense. Yeah. But but tasty. Yeah. Totally tasty. Was that one sitting? Three hours? Yeah. He, he, he unhooks his jaw and the whole thing <laughs> no, goes it's just, in. It's just a very slow conveyor belt. Yeah. That's all. I just couldn't get I couldn't get any better gears. Then he sleeps in the lounge room for two weeks as it's absorbed. It's <laughs> With the uh, mossy. Sometimes the skin will tear. Plug. And the mossy plug, but we won't go to that. Okay, go on, go on. In this episode of Box Cutters, we are going to review the showcase miniseries of Tim Winton's Cloud Street. Now, I I realise I've just got the word Cloud Street written here, but it it is actually called Tim Winton's Cloud Street, according to the title card. Well, the 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 title card on the on the show itself says Tim Winton's Cloud Street. He went to my high school. See, it's another Not thing. an interesting fact, but I needed to put it out there. That's also why we're doing it with you in the episode. Right. That's because yeah. you, you've got, you know, you can, can relate to Perth. You can relate to Perth in the nineteen forties. Yeah, aspects. I never met him. He was you know, years older than I was, but same high school. Yeah, fair, fair enough. Yeah, that's he, good. He'd show up for speech nights occasionally. That's, that's the high school in Perth. They'd Do we really out. have trains in Perth? There are a lot of trains in that show. Yeah. You know, yeah. we'll get to that, Brett, yeah. when yeah. we do the review. Yeah. I, I don't we'll think to, we'll get to that. I think we will. Really <laughs> <throw that. laughs> that's quite a boring question. But yeah. <laughs> right, now, uh, now I have to rewrite the review to start <laughs> with trains. <laughs> Cloud Street's about trains and people. Uh, we've, uh, we're also going to, uh, you know, John, you went to see David and Margaret in the flesh. Oh, I like to say stalk. 
But yes, I went and saw sure. David and Margaret. And when I say David and Margaret, I mean Margaret. Uh, we're we're going to find out more about that. Yeah, that could be, but well, yes, we'll tell you about that later. Let, later on the show. We've got an update of how we watch, because we haven't heard how John watches. So we need to know that, and some listeners have shared how they watch. We've got some pork with Trotters, with Toby Halligan. Woo! As always, though, we're going to kick things off with the Box Cutters News. <laughs> Brett, last week in the show we talked about Channel 10. Uh, they were going to announce some new things. One of them was Young Talent Time. That's now being confirmed. It has. With their launch. With a host. With with a host. And, and the host is... Now, is this the guy from who came second in the first series of... Australian Idol. I'm not sure he even got as far as. Second. But he was he was in the first. This is Millsy. Millsy. Yeah. Millsy. Because yep. they keep calling him by his actual name. And I'm going. Who's Rob Mills? Mills. Mills. Hang on. Oh, that, was he just Millsy on Idol? I just knew him as Millsy from the phrase. Oh, did you hear? Millsy shagged one of the Hilton sisters. Paris. So Millsy's going to host Young Talent Time. Yes. What has Millsy been doing in the intervening years? Well, we've definitely seen Millsy uh, doing uh, singing in show bands as uh, as time's gone on. Uh, he was in Don't Forget the Lyrics. Um, so, so there was a boy singer and a girl singer that would do backing vocals for them um, or, or sing it up to the point where they stopped singing and, and the person was supposed to take it over from there and get the lyrics right. Um, and uh, he was the boy one there. So you just described, don't forget the lyrics, and the expression on John's face is, was that actually ever a show? No, that's sad there. I, I remember it was a show, but my brain, it was a, it's a weird combination of, I realize this is the second week in a row we've talked about a young talent time uh, new series, and my brain still doesn't believe it. <laughs> I, I was thinking, you're going, that's not, that's not happening, it's not happening. And then you, you described this show, which paid me as a terrible idea <laughs> for, for a game, my like, worst idea ever, and that was a thing in and Italy. It's, and and yeah. it's, that's more realistic than a new version <laughs> of Young Talent Time. Time. I know, it's all just like, why? But anyway, my head still can't cope with it. What else are Channel 10 doing? Well, they've, uh, they've come out and, and, and controversially said that uh, George Negus will continue on next year in uh, 6.30 with George Negus. As well, you should you should have heard you should have heard how quickly all the advertisers just left the room at that point. Just went well. There's nothing for me here. I was hoping Negus would host Young Talent. <laughs> as will the renovators be back, wasting another thirty mil. This is the one that no one's watching. Yep. Yeah, but when the renovators come back, they're going to be children singing, <laughs> right? With George Negus. With George Negus. Eventually, Channel Ten will be one show that displays twenty four hours a day. <laughs> And there is always going to be a man wearing a cravat. Yeah. It just might not necessarily be Matt, but you'll have to tune in just to check. And there'll be numbers to text constantly. You won't know what you're texting for. <laughs> <laughs> I, I text yes. Whatever. <laughs> I would watch that. <laughs> constantly? Uh, 24 hours a day? No, no, no. Obviously, you're meant to watch it constantly, but you know, you dip in for a couple of hours. Oh, that, that way they can repeat bits. Yeah. Yeah, that's, uh, I think you'll find that's called CNN. Right. Additionally, they're bringing in a three-hour breakfast show uh, each weekday. What's to it going to be called? Co-hosted. This is genius. This is genius. John, have you have you have you heard this? The the title they have for this show yeah, is yeah. just. Are you oh, ready? Have, what kind of show is it? I don't have my. It's a, bre- it's a breakfast. breakfast show. It's a breakfast show. Okay, what's a breakfast show going to be called? Breakfast. That was <laughs> breakfast on Channel Ten. Wait, 
Is that going to be on in the morning, <laughs> Brett? When's um, that? Uh, oh, uh, let me let me just read my my notes. Hosted by seven p. I oh know seven pm project regular Andrew Rushford. It doesn't actually uh, say what time it's going to go to air. I think uh, I think that's a dumb idea. Calling it breakfast or just having one? Having one. Mm-hmm. Like you, you had the one channel that had kid related stuff on in mm-hmm. the mornings. Well, ABC, is but not X Men and. Not commercial kids stuff. This is the the, the pro- like ABC has boring like Ninja Turtles, boring there, educating kids stuff. Not fun stuff that kids actually want to watch. Not not kids who are like ten years old who actually just want to watch some action cartoons. Mm-hmm. That's what Channel Ten had, and like Yu Gi Oh and uh, and all of those game slash TV shows. Yep. Uh, that were on. True, but do we actually want to encourage our children to uh, just be sitting around watching TV yes. all, all morning? Well, uh, you, know, you know there's an obesity epidemic. Well, maybe they could sit around. 40% of children are, are obese. And you can catch it if you touch a fat person. Spe- actually, speaking you, can, of which, you can catch it, but not just by touching them. Speaking of which. By eating them? Where, where are you going with that? <laughs> it's actually about uh, gut bacteria. Wow. Um, it's an interesting, uh, you can find it on one of the <laughs> Dr. Carl uh, podcasts. Speaking of gut bacteria, Brett, G- Jenna Reinhardt is selling uh, her, t- her uh, shares of 10. She, yeah, it's it's being looked into. It was a bit of a strange uh, director's trade of uh, 1.19 million 10 shares. That's the Channel 10 shares mm-hmm. that uh, she bought up and... Uh, Obviously, through that, she got on the board at Channel 10. Um, the timing was perhaps less than wise because uh, she, they just had a board meeting. The shares got sold, and uh, I believe their profit uh, was was downgraded or, or something. And, and so it looks a little bit like she sold them just before the shares took a bit of a tumble. Like uh, possibly in an insider trading kind of way? An alternative uh, explanation is that she now owns exactly 10% of 10 uh, which may uh, diffuse um, some questioning about uh, about media investments uh, and uh, the regulatory uh, the, the, limitations. The, there were uh, there were people uh, implying that her uh, her part ownership of Channel Ten had influenced Channel Ten editorial decisions. It's not just a, a sinking ship thing. Just want to check. It's not just that you know she knows that Channel Ten's on fire and is getting out. No it's, on it's on fire, fire and fail. sinking. Yeah, it. Uh, yeah, it raises. That does, ha- that does happen with boats. I know, it's a I bad know. thing. And it's yeah. a bad thing. It, yeah. it does. It raises questions, right? Um, and and it probably could have been better planned, right? Yeah. Right. Uh, and uh, incidentally, uh, James Cameron is uh, is releasing the uh, footage of Gina Reinhardt selling her Channel Ten shares While in three D. Fire and sinking. Yeah. 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 Uh, Breaking Bad. We've we've been talking about Breaking Bad forever. Yeah. Yeah. A little bit in the last few weeks, especially uh, in in relation to when is it going to end? Dear God, let it end. I don't want it to get bad. So can it end? It is going to end next season after 16 episodes. Do we know why 16? Any reason that particular number? Never been kissed. Okay. Uh, Brian Cranston and the uh, creator from memory... Vince Gilligan. Uh, uh, ...were uh, apparently both upset that uh, they'd always planned it to finish up at that time, but to have enough episodes to properly round it out. It's been... A, it, it's had a 
an odd history. That show with uh, episode numbers per season, the first one being cut short by the writer's strike and only having seven episodes and nothing like coming to a a typical conclusion of a season of TV. Story-wise, it is dragging its feet, though. And surely you can't finish a story in 16 episodes. It's hard to imagine that you go, oh, no, we just needed another six to really finish that story. Yeah, but it's weird that the fourth season's been cut short and the fifth one's also another short one. And uh, and AMC, which is the the network that it's on, uh, has been quite hit and miss with its uh, with its new shows. It's just uh, also announced a new webisode series, uh, its first webisode series. So, um, going to be looking into that. Uh, look, there's a story here about Sky News. They're going to uh, be representing Australia and China. Uh, they beat and- ABC in a uh, in in a bid for uh, for some. Asian TV rights. I don't really mm. understand it. It's complicated. Yeah, because I would rather talk about Sex and the City. And uh, and they're talking about doing a prequel series what? for Sex and the City that is going to be on CW based on uh, a, a book that Candace Bushnell wrote called The Carrie Diaries, which in- involves uh, the, the lead from Sex and the City in high school. Uh, so it's Sex and the City Babies is what you're trying to say. Yeah, yeah, it is Sex and the City Babies, <laughs> where they uh, they use bits of found footage from other television shows yeah. and LucasArts. So, th- so they're talking about do- doing that on CW. Do you remember when Gossip Girl was going to have a, uh, a prequel series? Gossip Girl had that pilot as one of the episodes, yeah. which was kind of curious. A pilot yeah. for a spin-off hidden as one of their own episodes. Yeah, weird. that was... Uh, backdoor pilot. The, a backdoor pilot, you sexy, and that, sexy. And that went nowhere because it was a bad idea. Much like this is a bad idea. Uh, David Hasselhoff will not be performing on behalf of Norway at the upcoming Eurovision. Of Norway? Yes. Was that ever a real thing or just a rumour that, you know... Got out of hand. I don't think it was ever a real thing. But now I think there should be a game, a worldwide mm-hmm. internet game. Yep. Make up a rumour that will force David Hasselhoff to make a statement. And that is the Box Cutters News. Hi, I'm really lucky to be the guest of these funny, gorgeous, sexy, hungry men and or women. This is... Not really Tailwind Sticks at all. I'm Rob Shearman, pretending to be Tailwind Sticks with another Doctor Who writer, a rather better one than I am. You're listening to Box Cutters, the sexiest station I've ever thought I would ever listen to. I'm quite appalled at how sexy it really is. Do you know how sexy it is? I once wrote Robot. <laughs> Cloud Street is a miniseries that was produced for Showcase uh, as part of the Showtime network on Australian pay television. It is based on on Tim Winton's novel, Cloud Street, which has also been turned into, I think, an opera and a stage play. It was certainly a very successful stage play, yes. Uh, It's probably the uh, most beloved recent Australian fictional works. And winner of the Miles Davis Award. And winner of the Miles Davis Award uh, for best improvised fiction work (laughs) on stage. It is uh, set in 1940s Perth, 1940s and 50s Perth in in the long run. It is the story of two families who live in the same house 
During the 1940s and 50s, they share a house. One owns the house, the other rents, and uh, about the struggles that they have in just <laughs> surviving day to day. You're to make it sound like a sitcom there for a moment. I know. <laughs> it's the old couple meets Sullivan's. It is. Uh, it, it is about the hardships of uh, of living in Australia in uh, in post World War Two uh, times and uh, difficulties in making ends meet uh, and not having the internet. Is that that's that's pretty much it, isn't it? Uh, so so the the two families are uh, the pickles and the lambs, and this is it, it. Really tells the story of about twenty years in in their lives and uh, their interactions but also their personal stories and uh it is it is a story of family it is a story of place it is a story of home and also poverty i mean these are very poor people yes. so the you know the lambs have a farm that basically just fails burns down there. doesn't it and the the pickles at gambling drunks well and also he was Together. working as a phosphate farmer and then this is a mild spoiler oh. but it happens in the first 15 minutes <laughs> while i was eating he gets his uh, fingers sliced off and in a, in a quite it is graphic sequence. It is really shocking. There actually, yeah. there were a couple of times watching Cloud Street where I gasped, where I went, "Oh, that terrible thing that clearly they're they're leading towards isn't going to." Oh my god, it happened. Yeah. So, so there there are things like that in in Cloud Street. It is it is a very uh, simultaneously uplifting and depressing story. I have to say, I think it was done really well. I I really. I, I can't necessarily say that I enjoyed it. I think it went on for way too long. This is a three-part miniseries that comes together at just under six hours total. Uh, it is it is a lot of watching and a lot of storytelling that maybe could have been told in, in a slightly See, better I, way. I don't know, because I only had time to watch the first hour of the first episode, right. basically. Mm-hmm. And half an hour in, the first five minutes I thought, oh, it's trying to be very harshy. And then five minutes I thought, after five minutes I went, oh, but it's exceeding. Well, that's nice. And then half an hour in, I actually got upset. There was only three episodes. I thought, I want to be able to watch 13 or 22 episodes of this. And I actually suspect maybe as as three, two hours, which is a very old school kind well, of miniseries thing. pause it every half hour, well, you have 12. I actually kind of think that if it was, because, yeah, because to me I went, oh, it's six episodes then. Okay, but if it was maybe... 13, you know, 50 minutes would probably actually work better for pacing purposes. I don't know. But I just, I, I really enjoyed what I have seen so far. So sadly, I've, I've not got to the trains. Uh, so know, but, it's, you know. it, is, it is split. It, it is split into chapters. Uh, and so... So it could easily have been... So it could yeah. easily have been, except that then you would need to expand some of the chapters or condense some of the chapters. Mm-hmm. And, and the, the way it's done is very much a, a Deadwood-style uh, telling where... Everything is as long as it needs to be, uh, and for for mine, I thought that there was there was really not very much fat in the in the storytelling. I'm just was, saying that you may have enjoyed it more if you weren't watching three episodes, six hours uh, in one in in one sitting. In, yes, yes. yes. Oh, I, you know, I, I agree. There's not a huge amount of plot, I guess, to really say. Like saying, it is really just about following these characters. Yeah, because it, it is it is very much like if anyone's read or, or you know had to read Ruth Parks. Uh, Harp in the South, back in back in high school, it is that kind of storytelling of of Australia. It is it is an episodic uh, telling of a family. But what we didn't mention, at least what what surprised me, is that there's actually there's a lot of humour in it. I found I found the the dialogue. So people in horrible situations still get really lovely, funny things. There's still humour in them. Um, and again, I'm only one hour in, but I'm slightly obsessed with Mrs. Pickles, um, played by Essie Davis, who. 
when we first meet her, is having sex with another man, and her husband is clearly a loser, and yet they, they love each other. They genuinely love each other in a way that was just so, so lovely to see that expressed, going, that's a complicated couple, but they genuinely love each other. And I was really enjoying that. And that, that works very well, except that uh, at the start of it, A.C. Davis is really quite acceptable. Uh, as as an actor, like she's she's playing uh, a young person who who doesn't really care about her actions. By the end of it, as she's supposed to be getting older and 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 older, uh, it's it's amazing that she didn't really put on any weight with all the scenery she was eating. <laughs> <laughs> but she is just argh, argh, give me a couch, argh, just chewing scenery like it is going out of style. Just, nothing but like if you can imagine. It's it's almost like she saw heaps of Betty Davis, like late stage Betty Davis acting. See, it's I just, just, just drunken. I'm, I'm going to enjoy that even more, though. I think because that's where I think the show should be going. I just it just feels to me that's, that's there's so know. much drunken bitterness that comes out yeah. of Betty Davis's face. Uh, that being said, still sexy, but she just she kind of forgets any nuance and and goes for it. Stephen Curry plays uh, her husband, uh, Sam Pickles, mm-hmm. and. He's just getting better and better as as an actor, don't you, don't you think, Brad? Yeah. He's just yeah, yeah. he's actually getting more subtle. Which he is. Interesting. He's. I mean, and that that was the problem. His performance is so subtle and so nuanced. And Essie Davis was so kind of is she is she drunk or bitter in this scene? I also love that Kerry Fox, you know, um, very very famous Kiwi actor, Kerry Fox is is playing Mrs. Lamb in this, and um, she again going through a bit of a bit of a, her own kind of seeing during because she's doing the most outrageous Australian accent which I'm really enjoying oh it's really just, it's, you yeah. haven't noticed the, the, new, the New Zealand oh yeah oh, the, 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 ki- the Kiwi eyes keep coming through but I, I, I'm really enjoying it I actually this didn't I, I, I actually didn't mind like I, I didn't notice no, that her performance no, I, was th- great. I think it makes sense no, I think it's a great performance I think the accent makes sense for the time and the place in all honesty but it's just that thing when you hear it I didn't out, realise she was changing it Oh no, it's it's quite massively. Yeah, if you've heard what Kerry Fox sounds like normally, yeah, this is it's all like Ruth, get out of there. She's doing a lot of that. It's, it's quite fun. And her uh, her husband is played by Jeff Morrell. Oh, he's also, so you know, you've you've got three out of four ain't bad, really. With I mean, this, look, so far I think the cast is superb. But I should mention the cinematography is amazing, mm-hmm. and the direction by Matt Savile, which I didn't realize Matt Savile until later. And I love Matt Savile, who made Noise and uh, We Could Be Heroes Just, and, and The King, and made it look. Absolutely beautiful. He's, yep. he's one of the only Australian directors who doesn't film everything close up. I realise so yeah. it actually looks like a film. It actually looks oh. like a film because the cameras are allowed to move back a bit. There actually. are great. There are great shots of conversations happening outside, and and you're looking through, like down a corridor, through a door, and and so the action is taking place in the tiniest part of the screen. And it's just we don't see that in Australian mm. television. It is, it is such a breath of fresh air, and there is pacing and there is timing and there are silences and i wanted to uh display that with a with, with an audio clip and then realized oh two minutes of this audio clip is actually just silence so i've chosen a little bit after a, a silent bit this is where uh mr lamb goes up to the house and uh and introduces himself to uh express his interest in becoming a tenant for him and his family yeah. Um. I um. There's man, if you're selling something, forget about it. We're poor and we're stupid. Try the road a bit. No, no, no. I, 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 I'm calling about the house. Ah. How you coming about that? Yeah. Let's get my honey. Sam. 
Sam! You look like the wreck of the Hesperus. Pardon me for saying. Yeah, no, well, we've been, uh, been camping out, <laughs> sort of thing. We're up from the country. Where exactly in the country? Uh, Margaret River. New bloke from there once. Had hair growing out of his nostrils. All right. Sam! Come down here. Buggerising about. Lester Lamb. Why? Uh, um. <laughs> His name's Lester Lamb. Yeah, right on with you. You called. G'day. Suppose you want to come inside and have a look? Yep. Yeah. Yep. Uh, you get half the house, right? Half the yard, your own dunny. Oh, good. Mm. Um, corridor was no man's land, same as the stairs. Big bloody joint, eh? Look, um, I've got six kids. Ah, uh, yeah, half legs. No, no, nothing. Not anymore. Well, can you just pay? Oh, we can pay. We'll always pay. Well, these can pay. Little bit. Right, um. Might as well bring them in. Oh, good, right, okay. I'll get on to you boys myself. Good day, there we go. Oh, kids? Uh, Guy Fawkes not having a bonfire out the back. Just might want to bring them out once he's settled. Oh, all right, yeah, well. Yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll put it to the committee. Name's Pickles, by the way. We're going to sound like a cantaloupe, eh? At a... Lamb and Pickles. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah. Um, all right. Lamb and Pickles. It is so Australian. I was going to say, also, I think it proves it doesn't work as a radio play. Because, because there are so many silences. You know, I've, I've resisted reading Cloud Street for a very long time because it just sounded tedious to me. I, a, I'd heard nothing about the story. I saw you know, almost everybody with a copy of it on the trains and stuff back in the day when it was out. And uh, I have to say, the story is so good. Brett, did you get to watch it all? I watched the first two episodes. I kind of got midway through the second one and started thinking, I'm not watching this to to really be able to review it as a TV show. It's really as a whole... As a whole, a six-hour movie basically. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's there's mm, there's not that usual way that we review stuff episode by episode with mm. uh, stories going going across the the season. So um, and and I'm I had to take a break uh, at least once through them. I couldn't do the two hours solidly. It's really. I, I it's been, really dense, or I'm, there's something I'm, that that's, that's yeah, I'm really draining it, about and it. And even I thought oh, I must be about an hour now. It's only half an hour in. Well, this is yeah, two hours is too much. It reminds that's me of the of the problem I had when uh, when Showtime this is before Showcase started. When Showtime started showing Deadwood, and they were because they they only had movies and they were only showing things two hours at a time, and so they were showing two episodes of Deadwood back to back, and that was just almost impossible. I could tell that I was watching really quality television but it was too much to to bear and i think this the same thing is is here with cloud street it is 
it is a lot of watching. It is a lot of taking in, and it is it is a lot of story to to keep in your head. And we've seen that uh, that mix of Jeff Morrell and Stephen Curry previously, yeah, a similar time kind of frame as well, in Changi, which was a lot better done as far as how they broke it up. It was one-hour episodes um, weekly. But it wasn't... I mean, I, I think... I kind of agree. I think the structure of this might be wrong, but I think from what I've seen so far, the, the quality of it, though, the actual content is amazing. I just don't want to make it sound like I'm not criticising that yeah. at all, but, but uh, so, so I'd seen those two acting together mm. before and, and um, I, I thought that the, the chemistry between the two of them as actors in character worked really well. And, and I, think, I think their performances are better here than, than in Chang'e. I was... I was so impressed. Clearly a very expensive production. Uh, Although I would also think, I don't know how expensive it was, but I think cleverly spent. I think yes. there is a sense of the money's been directed to the right places rather than, so for example... There's not you, too many city streets full of Model T for No, it. and you don't see a fire, and you don't see, you know, but you will see the plane at the beginning, you know, a very nice bit of, you know, CGI yeah. or whatever on there. But it's just, yeah, it's kind of, I think it's nice how they've directed where, which bits of the storytelling they really want to cover. And I, I don't want to talk too much about the about the story itself, except there is uh, there is a, a little bit of heavy handedness in in some of the storytelling when it comes to indigenous issues, uh, and and there is a, a bit more of kind of Dreamtime style discussion uh, on screen later on in the uh, more in episode three. Really, uh, and and that kind of gets a little bit, a, a little bit heavy-handed, and and feels a little bit like. Do you remember the the film Two Hands, mm-hmm. and how in Two Hands there was there was the main story part, but then there was this whole spiritual part that didn't quite fit. Reminded me a little bit of of that, where they're trying to shove this spiritual side into the into the story that obviously in the book could have come out a lot more. Uh, and in the in the TV series, it just felt forced. That's the only thing that I that and Essie Davis's uh, you know appetite for. I, I haven't read the book, but I'm wondering if it's the kind of thing where you know everything in the book becomes a sort of strangely heightened fable-like kind of quality. Well, and it is because one of the characters does survive a drowning at the beginning, and and is to our eyes brain damaged. But I think the show's trying to imply that he's. He's different now, in a way, as well. That maybe in the book, well, there is more there is spiritual. there is definitely a large amount of of magic realism in mm. the in the story. There is a point where somebody glows, actually glows with a fever. And uh, also, it, there is there is a, a house. The house breathes. We see it sigh. Mm-hmm. Uh, there is uh, th- there is an Aboriginal man who has a history with the house, and there is an implication that the house is somehow. A part of of the story itself. Did you like it though? Are you going to yes, watch, yeah, you gonna watch the rest of it? Yep, yep. yep. Johnny, uh, you gonna... I'll, I'll probably take. Oh, I'm, I'm really looking forward sessions. to watching the rest of it. I'm, I'm, yeah. Getting to the end of it, it felt like I'd run a marathon, but mm-hmm. I was really glad to have watched it. It comes out on DVD on the twentieth of October. I don't think Showcase are going to be showing it again uh, anytime soon. It's really worth seeing. That's Cloud Street. I recommend that you uh, that you see it if you want to stop whinging about why Australia can't make good television and see that we actually can. Mm-hmm. Yeah, hi, g'day. I'm Katrina Mathers and I'm on the Box Cutters. How cool is that? <laughs> John, you went to Acme 
during the week and right. saw David and Margaret celebrating their 25th uh, anniversary. anniversary. Yeah, we've been married for 25 years. We're all very pleased. No, it, the, the, I went along to Acme. There was a launch for uh, the Australian side of the movie images doing a, uh, it's a new exhibition to mark 25 years of David and Margaret reviewing together, which you know, normally you would think, who cares? But, of course, it's just that amazing way David and Margaret have become these pop stars. It was mentioned a few times that you can mention them without surnames now. They don't need surnames. They're David and Margaret. We know who that is. And I went along uh, just to be a fanboy, really. But I, I took my Zoom recorder with me. And, of course, met lots of other film reviewers were there also being fanboys and girls. And it was just... It was quite fascinating to see such a loving kind of press conference event. I talked to uh, Jess Lomas from Quickflix. I talked to Richard Watts from Smart Arts and mm-hmm. everything. Um, I also talked to Glenn Dunks from Stale Popcorn. And just a reminder for those who do own Zoom recorders, press record twice. The first one oh. is is standby record. The second it's one, flashing red. It's not recording. Yeah, so it actually records. So you won't be hearing from Glenn. But uh, his voice oh, that's, if, that's if you've got the Zoom 3. If you've got the Zoom uh, H4n, yeah. uh, you have to press record and then press play. Really? Mm. Oh, it's even worse. Mm. So I do apologize to Glenn. We won't hear about that restraining order that Margaret took out against you. But you will hear these other people talk about it. You'll hear bits of David and Margaret talking at the press conference. Uh, sound quality is terrible throughout. Excellent. Uh, but in different ways. So <laughs> you'll, you'll get a whole selection of terrible sound quality. The exhibition is going to be immensely popular, and we're very proud to have worked with the ABC to create it as we hope a fitting tribute to one of the enduring relationships in Australian television and cinema. And it's now my pleasure to welcome to the microphone Margaret and David. When I was a little boy, and I was naughty, and I sort of would sort of scream and shout, my mother would say, don't make an exhibition of yourself. My name's Yolanda Blair. I'm the assistant curator at the Australian Centre for the Moving Image. I curated uh, Margaret and David 25 Years Talking Movies. So what was the goal? What's the exhibition for? Uh, basically to try to, if not encapsulate, but certainly commemorate a pretty incredible 25 years of real icons of Australian television. I've curated the show around four separate themes, looking at the duo's support and promotion of international and art house film, of censorship and the fight for freedom of speech, the support of the Australian film industry, and also review and criticism and the kind of authority that the, the, the two still carry even, even in today's online regime of film criticism. We've been celebrating the creative side of cinema for so many years and it's a bit of a surreal experience walking back in there and seeing you know your past confronting you coming up rearing its head it's uh, actually uh, tremendously enjoyable and very touching I wish I hadn't worn some of that hair on occasions <laughs> anyway it's too late now. Right, what we have here is a uh, collection of clip-on earrings, I think. I do believe she doesn't have her ears pierced. You can purchase them through the Acme store, apparently. Oh. They are designed by jeweller <laughs> Margaret Kirkwood. And they, they're they all metallic. Yeah, gold and silver. Uh, I was hoping for a little bit more colour, perhaps. Um, I'm hoping more dangly. Yeah. I, I think of the dangly earrings. Mm. The ones dangly. that look like well, your earlobes are about to be ripped yeah. off. Yeah. Not quite as disturbing as the uh, lavender jumpsuit. I quite like the jumpsuit. <laughs> <laughs> I wonder if that's available the lavender to buy through the store and as well. The only other thing I would say is that if you see nothing else in this exhibition, you have to watch the video of Margaret. Singing, you don't have to say you love me 
to Sylvester Stallone. That, <laughs> that alone is worth the price of admission, whatever the price of admission is. So, Richard, tell me why you're here. Uh, because Margaret and David are really Australian television institutions in and of their own right, with really engaging insights into screen culture. In Australia, it's such a small industry, the entertainment industry, and especially reviewing, uh, having two people that have survived so long. So I guess it's just it's, it's a bit of respect for these two people that have made it so long in the industry and, and doing something where they are reviewing other people's work. And in a way, they're creating their own legacy. Anything that makes film more accessible for a wide audience uh, is certainly something that I am excited by. And I'm also excited by the opportunity of actually interviewing them a little bit later on. So you're just showing off now, aren't you? I, well, no, I'm gushing almost. I woke up at about 6 o'clock this morning going, oh, I'm interviewing Margaret and David today. And like, I was actually genuinely excited. And like, it felt a bit like Christmas. Why, why do you think this is? Because everyone is reacting to them like they're stars. It's a, it's a really interesting question because they're just film reviewers, really, but they've been part of our culture for so long that we have literally grown up with them. It's for like anybody who, who grew up watching Play School, if you get the chance to say to meet, uh, I don't know, Noni Hazelhurst or something like that you watched as a little kid, you will be excited. And these are people we've shared our lives with for 30 years. I might be a little bit more excited if I met some Play School hosts. <laughs> It feels like they've always been there. And I suppose that is the whole play school comparison with Australian TV that I've come to rely on, you know, Wednesday night that they'll be on TV talking about the upcoming films. They obviously have a beautiful rapport. Um, They're very uh, down-to-earth and very generous and warm people and that's in person, but also I think that sort of carries through on on television and, you know, over 25 years I think we've all had that in in our lounge rooms from week to week. Two generations now have grown up with them. And they are very entertaining, particularly when they disagree. We were very lucky, in a way, to start on SBS, which was not a majorly watched uh, network at that time. And where we could start out really making a lot of mistakes, uh, you know, in terms of production and everything else, was, you know, seeing some of the early shows, you realise how tacky... (laughs) They were. You know, we were able to sort of make mistakes on air with not very many people watching and improve our act over the years, uh, which is a a privilege not many people get on television, actually. And particularly someone like me who had no experience whatsoever in front of the camera. It was a terrifying experience. Sorry, did I interrupt? No, no, no. Are you a, a David man or a Margaret man? I think I'm a bit of both. Margaret sometimes likes films that I just think are appalling crap, but that's also one of the things I respect, that she will accept something on its merits. It does frustrate me that uh, both of them have, and Margaret particularly, have come out and said that they give extra stars to Australian films to support them, which I think does the film industry a disservice, and certainly does the audience a disservice by inflating people's expectations. But yeah, I I like them both. (laughs) Definitely Margaret, yes. She's like the little grandma that everyone wants. <laughs> I don't want to go there. No, I can't do. I can't do that. I've been working with them both, and they've both been really, really beautiful to work with. Yeah. We've been very lucky, Margaret. We, we've we've done what we wanted to do, which was to talk about films on television. And right from the time we started on SBS in 1986, the audience has been very supportive. I, I don't know that what we've done has been that great. 
but somehow we're here after 25 years, and, and that's wonderful. Thank you all very much. Yeah, thank you. Tom Lilly here from a variety of different media organisations, 3RRR, 3AW, Channel 7, Mornings with Kerry ann Inside Business on a Sunday with Alan Kohler. I like to spread myself around and so should you. Listen to the box cutters on the internet or any other media you can find them. I think it's educational. I think it's fascinating. I think you might even learn something you didn't know before. Listen to the box cutters. I always do. Quick update. Yes. Uh, he's not doing all that anymore. He's uh, the uh, uh, prison time Darren Hinch on 3AW. Ah, John, last week... We uh, talked about how we watched television, and you've uh, talked in the past about how you watch television in that you didn't have an aerial for a long time. I know that a couple of weeks ago you didn't actually have a television. I don't actually have a television right now. Yeah, they took it away. Right. The repairman came. We turned it on. It worked perfectly. It was very embarrassing. Generally, when you're watching television, how do you do it? Well, I actually wanted to read because um, actual Chad left a, a comment yes, on the blog yes. about this, and this kind of links to, to how I watch it. Chad said, I sit in front of a lot of TV between the hours of 7 and 9.30pm, a lot of reality stuff. Um, I'm more often than not on the iPhone, whether that's emails, Facebook, internet, or playing games. I get shows on my computer, which I generally watch on my laptop. If I'm doing that, I'll usually just be watching the show, not multitasking, because those are shows I want to concentrate on. I watch TV in almost exactly the opposite way that Chad does, that I find it impossible to watch TV on my laptop. And I actually had to watch... uh, um, uh, Cloud Street on the laptop today because right. the TV is away somewhere. And I actually felt like I was cheating on it. I, I felt I wasn't giving ah. it the widescreen glory that its cinematography deserved. And occasionally I would put it into a smaller box so I could check something you know, on IMDb or whatever. And that's the problem. If I yep. watch a laptop, I want to... Because you know, the laptop has everything in the world in it, ever. Yes. And so I do want to make put it, it on into a tiny corner and then... No, no hands on the keyboard. Yeah, so normally no what I would do watching television, because that's in another room to my laptop, because my laptop does not move. And <laughs> the TV's that's, in a, That's in why a, they call that. Yeah, yeah. The TV's in another room. So if I'm in that room, I'm just watching television. I'm in there so I can focus entirely on okay. the television. Uh, you you have a Google phone. I do. Uh, yeah. And yeah. I've never watched anything on it. No. You don't watch anything on it. You don't you don't use that to check your Facebook while you're watching no, TV. No, I wouldn't. No, because that's on the laptop okay. in the other room. So yeah, no, generally if I'm watching the TV, it's because I want to actually focus on it. The thing last week that that you said, lovely Toby, that some surveys claim that people were reading mail when top response was reading mail. And you, who gets mail? How long does it take to read mail? What mail are these people doing? Bill, Bill, put that in a pile and uh, and go through Even it later. There's only three of them. That's not going to cover an entire episode of MasterChef. Yeah, no, I know. Yeah, I don't, I don't understand that. Paul Boxcutter uh, wrote in uh, to say, I generally watch TV on the couch with the missus. We IQ2 up a bunch of stuff, and I didn't realise that that was a, a verb. Yeah, it is now. Right. We IQ2 up a bunch of right. stuff, and... Not IQ1 up. No. No, no one does that anymore. Oh, Old I school. St- I still do that. I'll, I'll speak in pork about how I might not be doing that uh, in right. the near future. Uh, when we can, fast-forwarding through the ads. If it is something I'm interested in, I'll watch it with full attention. Oh, I wanted to mention that, because I also came last week. I don't watch live television ever. Yeah, neither, neither. Even when we got the TV thing, the aerial repaired, we just forgot. And then we moved the TV to another room. We can't reach the aerial. Oh. So, yeah, I did, it's just, live television has ceased to, to be a thing. Although we bought the Sony Media Player so we can watch iView. 
through the television. So you oh, so you don't even watch well, we, things that have. So you don't like watch MasterChef or anything no, like that. No, no, because it's it's just not something we eventually will get around to getting longer cable. But you know, it was like live TV is no longer part of our television. Right, so that just wasn't some elaborate attempt to never have to see the 7pm project ever again. No, that was just a bonus. Right. Right. Um, Brett, do you want to read out uh, Tristan's uh, suggestion? Oh, no, not suggestion. Tristan says, I watch a lot of TV. As a university student, I often have the TV on while I'm writing reports and doing readings, partially for background noise. I work late nights and I use television from Channel BitTorrent to help me wind down before bed, which gets my full attention. So a, a lot of people have talked about not watching TV that's uh, actually on TV. A, a lot of people have you know, used all sorts of euphemisms for downloading and pirating television, which I think says a lot about our audience, not necessarily uh, about the way most people watch television. But uh, a lot of people have talked about the stuff that they're really interested in is stuff that they watch having downloaded it mm-hmm. from. Uh, and I think we, we all do that. We all, uh, we all concentrate more on the stuff that we have actively sought out rather than the stuff that kind of passively just enters our lives. This does head back, though, to something. It was a discussion on the blog when the Winners and Losers review happened. Mm-hmm. And... I still don't know. There was a, a question about are shows that winners and losers deliberately being written for people who aren't paying attention? Like, are people being told you do have to make the same plot point three or four times in each scene? You do have to have the characters just talk in circles forever because people aren't actually paying attention. Well, this is this is why I, w- I, w- I want to keep going with this uh, with, with this project. I, I want to know how our listeners watch television. Does anybody watch television live as it happens with the ads on at that time or is everybody from our listenership uh downloading or uh recording things and then and then watching it later send us an email hooray at boxcutters.net and uh and let us know or uh put a comment on the blog as uh people have done this week or use the contact us link if you watch one Uh, John, earlier you were talking about backdoor pilots, uh, a, a, an episode within within an existing series. Mm-hmm. My one thing this week is an episode of the Brady Bunch that's going to be on Eleven, which is a channel now, uh, at five thirty p.m. on Wednesday, the twenty fourth of August. It's called Kelly's Kids. It's one of the last. Uh, episodes of the Brady Bunch. It's about five episodes before the end of the final series of Brady Bunch, and it is a backdoor pilot wow. for a series called Kelly's Kids, uh, where a man has, I think, three uh, racially diverse adopted children, and they uh, face uh, bigotry in everyday situations. How, how does it intersect with the actual Brady Bunch concept? I think Kelly is maybe a partner at Mr. Brady's architectural firm or something like that. There is some vague uh, vague tie in there, but the Brady Bunch hardly appear in this episode so, at so all. So they appear at the beginning and he goes to work and then the camera just follows Kelly home instead kind of thing. K- kind of. And this is uh, – so this is in the Cousin Oliver year <laughs> of, of Brady Bunch and it's a very – 
difficult to find episodes. It's, it's, it's one of the reasons that I bring this up as, as a one thing. Uh, I am going to try to tape it and watch it because it's been years and years and years since okay. I've seen it. And I've read so much more about it since having seen it as, as a kid. John. I'm just watching the rest of Cloud Street. I've got another five hours. <laughs> I, I really felt there was no need for any other thing. Yeah, fair enough. It's yeah. like 20 hours. Uh, Insights is uh, on SBS 1 on Tuesday night at 7.30 and also repeating on SBS 2 on Friday night at 8.30. This week uh, it looks at the t- at Tampa. It's called Tampa uh, on the 10th anniversary of the uh, the whole Tampa uh, incident, I guess you'd call it. Uh, and, oh, that's and, the, the boat. And the, the refugees that were on the Tampa, and, uh, that, which was the boat that, uh, that the Australian government wouldn't allow to uh, drop them off on uh, any Australian land. And, it was a uh, huge it, controversy was, at the time. and an uh, international standoff, basically. Uh, that's going to be interesting. Yeah. So that's uh, Insight on uh, Tuesday night on 7.30 on SBS. Hey, um, when I cast my pod, it's with the box cutters in mind. Box cutters. Pod. Cast. Done. Pork is on the table. Just quickly, I wanted to uh, mention that the Melbourne Browncoats, or the new Melbourne Browncoats, as they seem to be called, have their annual Can't Stop the Serenity this Saturday, the 27th of August. And it is, according to them, going to be huge. I have no doubt uh, they'll be showing a, a screening of Serenity uh, and Dr. Horrible's sing-along blog. Tickets are $18 or $20 at the door and all money goes to... Charity. Am I right in thinking this is a sing-along, sing-along blog? I seem to remember this is the event where you get to sing along with the sing-along sing along with the Dr. Horrible yeah. sing-along blog. I think you get to sing along with Dr. Horrible sing-along blog where, whenever you watch it. I know, but I think but this, is a, this, this is, is a... in public. Yeah. We'll have links on the blog at boxcutters.net to the Facebook page and also the Melbourne Browncoats page. Directed questions there. Uh, I mentioned before uh, Channel 11. I'll actually be able to see Channel 11 and 1HD and all sorts of things because I got myself a Fetch TV today. Came in the mail. Uh, Fetch TV is uh, IINet's IPTV thing. Uh, They had a three-month free trial, and I thought, well, there's a perfect opportunity to try it while not getting rid of my Foxtel box. Mm -hmm. And uh, Have you plugged in yet? Oh, no, no, it just arrived in the mail today. So uh, so I'm going to be... Uh, testing that out and see how it goes. See, Toby wants to come on and do trotters. He's doing he's doing hand signals like they mean anything. <laughs> I'm going to say. <sighs> oh, Toby, you're so lucky. Brett made that weirdly disgusting thing. That's how we know it's uh, Toby's was, trotters time. I was yeah. about to close. Uh, I was about to close the show. You weren't going to get to say a thing. Yeah, I, it's the sounds of Guantanamo Bay. It's an album by Enya. Yes, Cloud Street was turned into a very successful um, play um, that actually went for five and a half hours. That wow. is a lengthy play, but apparently it was... Um, it's, it's fine if you watch it like one hour every week, though. Yeah, true. Yeah, just show up one back. hour. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, that's the way to do Broadway, you know. Yes. <laughs> um, uh, but it actually toured to Perth, Melbourne, London, Dublin, New York, and Washington. So it was incredibly successful. How do people watch television? So last week, obviously, I kind of talked about different kinds of activities people pursue. Um, uh, I found kind of another study that relates to where a, lo- a lot of people access 
their TV mm. from. And so 93% of people are still watching broadcast television, according to this survey. But uh, 57% are now, this is kind of every week, uh, watching short video clips online or, you know, on a daily basis. And 45% are getting TV content online. So with that 93%, the problem with all these studies is they don't break it down into what kind of content you're watching. So obviously you might have, say, a significant proportion of that 93% that are, say, only watching sport or only watching, you know, weekly news bulletins and aren't watching large amounts of other kind of broadcast content. So, um, yeah, right. there's interesting kind of stuff emerging. Also, apparently only between 1% and 2% of Americans don't have a television in the house, and they tend to be either ultra-conservatives or ultra-liberals. Really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that, that, actually, that, that, makes, that makes a lot it of sense. Kind of yeah, it does. It's kind of the crunchy, you know, granola organic food types or the hyper, you know, I don't want to see sex or violence mm. at all and it's infecting my children's brains. They're kind of a, a lot more similar than they think. Yeah. They, I know they really are. And Why can't they just get together? I know. Get I agree. Da, 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 da. <laughs> the Amish and the hippies. Um, although the Amish are their own. I was talking about the Amish. Yeah, the Amish right wing. I don't know. No, um, no, they, no. No, they just live outside of society. Yeah. They're you renegades. Really, what do they fall on the spectrum? They're outlaws. Well, they, they're kind of an example of a group you can't really categorize. Huh. You call them religious conservatives. Oh, well, you probably would, but they they don't fit with many of the other kind of monikers a, that go with it. It's not a GOP type. They're part of your uh, anti-button right. Yeah. yeah, and they have big problems with incest as well. Um, the rest of the country loves it. It's true. Yeah, the rest of the country true. has no problem at all. No um, problem with inter- incest. So we were talking to- about levels of obesity and um, television watching, and uh, this may interest you that... In actuarial terms, an hour spent in front of television has roughly the same effect on a person's life expectancy as smoking two cigarettes. So basically, I think it's uh, in the top 1% of the viewing population in Australia can expect to live 4.8 years less than someone who does not watch television at all. Yeah, but we'll have oh, seen a lot more. pretty massive. So yeah, that's six we'll hours a day. That's six hours a day. Now, what that's a function oh, okay. of is lack of physical activity, I think. Ah. But here's another interesting thing. Six hours a day. That's a lot, of TV. That a lot of TV. But the average in America, uh, the average American child watches three and a half hours. Okay. So that's not that far off. But couldn't they be watching that while on an exercise bike? They theoretically could. But, but they I don't. think these are based on pretty general surveys. So that excludes the weirdos that do that kind of so thing. So what we need is a free exercise bike with every television. Absolutely. Because free TVs you know that, that need to be pedaled to the power. To me, power that watching TV it actually uses 10% less energy than just resting. So you can be sitting on the couch and you are actually going to be burning more calories than if you were sitting on the couch watching TV. How does that work? Well, I think it works in two ways. The first is that television has a kind of a hypnotic effect effectively in that it stops you from doing any other kind of physical activity. So if you're really focused on the TV, you're probably less likely to be fidgeting, you know, you're less likely to be doing stuff with your hands, you're less likely to be moving around in different kinds of ways if you're just sitting there focused only watching the television. And it also reduces your brain activity as well. Wow. Mm. And that burns to calories? Um, it burns fewer calories. Your brain- it reduces your brain activity. I don't believe that. I think that's so, I think that's just the anti television lobby yeah. uh, trying to trying to get you to smoke more cigarettes. Can I also ask something <laughs> that, uh, that that sounds like it should hold true? Uh, is that the same for quietly reading a book? Um, n- uh, no, uh, reading a book um, burns more than normal resting. 
Uh, with reading, you know, far more of your brain is being used because you're having to translate and create all of the images yourself. You're having to understand what each of the letters mean. You're having to under- connect the letters into words, the words into sentences, connect each of the sentences into a story structure, whereas television is, in its very nature, I think less... It requires less from a person uh, who's consuming it. What if you're watching SBS with subtitles? SBS, yeah, no, well, SBS... Because then you're doing both. SBS is double calorie burning because you're wanking, obviously. (laughs) (laughs) And reading. Yeah. Wanking and reading. But, for example, so with children who watched... um, uh, For each additional hour a child spends watching television per week at age two and a half, it corresponded to a 7% decrease in classroom engagement, a 6% decrease in maths achievement, and a 10% increase in being bullied by peers. And the theory is, is because... Um, the, with the academic achievement, uh, watching television, you get used to constant stimulation. You get used to things happening really quickly. There's an ad, there's an ad, there's an ad, there's an ad, there's a cartoon. You know, there's 20 minutes of that cartoon, then there's a completely new cartoon, then there's a completely new thing. You know, there's so much change in the visual imagery, there's so many changing messages, etc., that kids then struggle to actually focus on more static uh, mediums like, say, reading or doing um, other things. And they think that you get bullied more because uh, television is so passive. And so, it, you know, it requires you to be less engaged, less active intellectually and physically. And so those kinds of kids are more likely to be vulnerable to bullying. See, I think all of that is bullshit, Toby. I think, I think that... So uh, I, w- I was just wondering if uh, you could cite your sources on the blog for this week's show. Sure. This, no, oh, yeah. No, why no, does I'll he have to up. cite his sources, but you just get to say whatever you like? No, no I, well, the, I'll, I'll be happy to lay out... I'll, I'll email I, you all the reports. I, I'll, I'll, <laughs> tell you, I'll tell you, I'll tell you why, why I think it's, it's bullshit. Uh, and that's... Uh, there are ways to watch television in the same way that there are ways to to read a book yeah, sure. that are better or worse for you. Absolutely. And uh, and there is such a thing as active TV watching, which I think is is what we've always spoken about here on on sure. this show, and that's uh, being aware of what you're watching and Absolutely. choosing what you're watching and looking for uh, something that actually engages you rather than just passively. Taking in but, whatever but are is children on the TV. doing that? That's the question. Yeah. Are children well, actually... are parents teaching their children to do that? Yeah. yeah. What you're saying is totally legitimate. So as in, I'm not, I, I don't think you can characterise the mere act of an individual watching TV on the basis of these studies. What these studies represent is an aggregation for the trends within the whole of the American population and as to how they tend to watch TV and the health effects they tend to have. And the problem I have with studies like that is they have a tendency to demonise television rather than demonise the people who make bad decisions. Absolutely. And it's, it's the same way that uh, fast food is demonised rather than a lack of control uh, yeah. being demonised. And, and a, you know, it, it, is, it is part of a larger problem. Yeah. Television itself is not the problem. Uh, Shows like Four Weddings are the problem. I totally agree with that. Though it is an interesting insight, isn't it, that with young children watching TV, the impact it has on attention spans when it comes to them engaging with other mediums. Media. That, Media. Yeah. Yes, the plural Books. of medium is media. Okay, I think I think I've upset it's like Josh peoples of the world. Uh, so, but it'd also be interesting to uh, to look at a little bit into who's put the figures together and and what sure. perhaps hidden agendas no, might no. be at work there. Oh, there's always a hidden agenda, isn't yeah. there, Brett? Mm. Also, we were briefly talking about Gina Reinhart. I just wanted to clarify, I don't think she's going to get uh, investigated by ASIC for a couple of reasons. Uh, the first is she's probably not breached TENS 
TENS trading policy, although a relevant person, according to TENS trading policy, must not deal in group securities where they're in possession of price sensitive or inside information. It's not clear whether she did that or not. But um, uh, the number of shares she actually traded was a tiny component of her total holdings. So she traded 365,000 shares out of a total holding of 104.9 million. So right. any accusation as to her attempting to you know, make moolah on that information probably would fall down. We had a different number reported, just over 1 million, but still less than 1%. So just to briefly clarify as well what's going on with the Sky ABC news bid, because I know we kind of... Uh, you know, Glossed over it. A little bit. Yeah, a little bit. So what's actually happened is Sky has signed a $223 million contract with uh, Chinese state television, CCTV, uh, in Beijing uh, to ensure that they will share programming. The ABC has repeatedly approached the Chinese, the, the CCTV, uh, trying to set up similar kinds of arrangements. But the ABC was kind of restricted in how much they were willing to how much sharing and how much mutual development they were willing to do because they were concerned that ABC produces documentaries that are politically controversial mm-hmm. and that could get them into crap, basically, with China and they didn't want to be bound by different kinds of contractual Or, or restricted as far as uh, the documentary content they were making. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, now, the wider implications this has is, as you mentioned before, with the Australian network bid, uh, um, is that... Uh, basically, it strengthens Sky's hand considerably just because they're now naturally going to be able to access an enormous amount of Chinese content. Um, right. If you don't know the history of the Australian Network bid, basically it was originally going to be decided by Kevin Rudd. It was removed from Kevin Rudd, given to Stephen Conroy to make the final decision. Then they um, So Kevin Rudd as foreign minister, not yep. as prime minister. Yep. Uh, absolutely. Uh, a public service panel recommended that Sky News should be given the contract and the government sidelined that um, ostensibly because of all the instability in the Middle East earlier this year and they're going to be making a decision in September, a final decision as to whether Sky or the ABC should get the Australian network. So this this uh, wasn't actually a decision then, what was no, reported this week? this was not a decision uh, by anyone in Australia. This was a contractual arrangement between Sky and a branch of the Chinese government, effectively. Right, which is seen as a step towards the Australian network. Absolutely. I and see. it probably is a significant step towards it. I'm so glad somebody read that article. Um, yeah, it was, it, was, it was a blast. <laughs> I, I also thought of a couple of other names for breakfast with Andrew Rochford, such as a shot of morphine with Dr. Andrew Rochford. I could be performing heart surgery, but here I am doing a morning TV show and another reason to go to work. I think all... <laughs> All better titles than breakfast. I love, I love another reason to go to work. <laughs> yeah. Very good. The, yeah. the first one you had there was uh, actually close to uh, one of my favourite uh, veterinary uh, terms, which is the green dream. Oh, really? Which is uh, putting a, an animal to sleep. It's the green dream. Oh. Yes. Well, that's a sad moment. Sure. Yeah, let's go on that. Sorry if that was a slightly dense trotters, but yeah, there you go. I think it was good to have some information on the yeah, show, yeah. personally. So yeah, well <laughs> done. D- dense in information, not in, uh, in, in the other pejorative sense of, of dense. Cool. It, was, uh, it, was, it was a good dense. Thank mm. you. Good dense. That's the kind of dense I am. <laughs> that brings us to the end of Box Cutters episode 276. Uh, I want to say thanks to everybody for being excellent. Okay, do that then. Until next week, my name is Josh Canal. I'm John Richards. I'm Toby Allegan. I continue to be Brett Cropley. Thanks for listening to Box Cutters. Catch us again next week. Same bad time, same bad channel. And hey, let's be careful out there. Listener.
Box Cutters is produced by Josh Canal with Brett Cropley and John Richards. Brett Cropley is our audio engineer. Peter Wilson coaxes all the bits out of our servers. If you enjoyed this podcast, please tell everyone you know and leave us a five-star review on iTunes. That will help other people find us and would mean a lot. Box Cutters thanks 3RRR, the greatest radio station in the world. Find them in Melbourne, Australia on 102.7 FM or at rrr.org.au. There are lots of ways you can contact us and you'll find them all at our website at boxcutters.net. So what else uh, What else did you did you do on that day? John? Oh, at Acme? Oh, I had a little chat with Margaret about, remember that, that other gig that David Stratton has as a hired goon who, who attacks jazz musicians? And she said this. Have you seen David on the saxophone? I did just there, just before. David, I think everybody was intimidated. And then he only had to do one. He did Miles Davis, where he tackles Miles Davis. You know, and so now he's in demand. Hi, this is Pete Smith. You've been listening to or have just missed Box Cutters.